Welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here, and this is the last episode in the current season. And Man in the Mirror is a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest about their life and their work. We talk self-care, self-image, and what the guest really thinks about the man that looks back at him in the mirror. Now, this week for final episode, episode eight of the current run, my guest is Thibaut Crivelli, who is the founder of Maison Crivelli, which is a, a niche perfume house. Now, Thibaut was um, born in Paris and um, grew up in, in France and then moved around. There's a real adventurous spirit to him, both with the, the fragrances he makes, but also the, the fact that he's lived all around the world and, and um, you know, that all comes out in his perfume, I think. You might know some of the fragrances such as Papyrus Moleculaire, Iris Malacan, Santal Volcanique, and more recently the extras, the extracts, which are more sort of concentrated and, and powerful. And there's fragrances such as Hibiscus um, Mahajad and Oud Maracuja. Not easy for me to say. <laughs> um, really incredible fragrances. Um, Maison Crivelli, I think, are, are very, very contemporary fragrance house. And, and what do I mean by that? I suppose, you know, it's all about the ingredients. It's quite a pared-back aesthetic, but um, a real focus on high-quality raw materials and ingredients and a real element of surprise and adventure. So you'll hear much more about that from Thibaut in our conversation so here we go. It's the final episode of the current season. It's Thibaut Crivelli, who is the founder of Maison Crivelli, with me, Hayden Williams, on Man in the Mirror. Let's go. Welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here, and my guest today on the final show of the current season is Thibaut Crivelli, who is the founder of Maison Crivelli, and he joins me. Are, are you in Paris today, Thibaut? Where are you? It's a very good question because I'm traveling a lot, and I'm actually in Paris at the office, which is not happening that much lately. Oh, really? Do, do, you, um, do you do some of your work from... A, a different location or, or home or how does it work in terms of your... Uh, yes, it can happen with a few perfumers who are based outside of Paris. Right now we are working with a few perfumers based in Dubai. But I also spend a lot of time overseas to visit stores, meet the teams, uh, attend some events, which is lovely. I mean, I spend a lot of time doing it and I, I love it. It also gives me the opportunity to get some direct feedback on our perfumes and meet people and share about the about the brand, about my journey, about my experiences. Um, well, that's where we that's where we met, actually. I think I've yes. probably the first time, maybe two years, 18 months ago, um, it was almost like a, a sort of one-on-one -on -one introduction to the brand, which was fascinating. And then more recently at a a kind of a, a lunch event for Oud Maracuja, I think. Yes, so, yeah, it's, it was always always great to see you. But I think maybe for people, for, for listeners who are might not be as familiar with, with Maison Crivelli, it would be brilliant to understand, first of all, I suppose what the sort of ethos of, of the Maison is, what, how, how you see it and where where it stands sort of differently to other brands in the market. So I launched the brand about uh, five years ago at the end of 2018. Actually, uh, a fact that most people don't know is that it's a project that, I mean, th that came to my mind such a long time ago. I was a teenager when I decided that one day I, I might or would uh, create a, a perfume brand. Oh, really? And so it's true that for maybe for other brands, the founders... You know, had a, a journey and suddenly they decided to to create a brand. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's been an ongoing journey, like in a process of 
getting experience and also understanding more about the market before I would create my my own perfume house. And so when I launched it, so I will tell you, of course, about about the journey and 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 why I, I had the, this idea at such a young age. The when I created the brand, actually, I realized that our lives are are full of. Uh, surprises. Our lives are adventures, full of surprises, full of sensory elements. And this change can, is very interesting because if you welcome it with a positive mindset, it can really become a fertile ground for, for inspiration. Yeah. So I think what makes the brand really special today is that vision. Also the fact that perfume is not just about a scent, it's a combination of sensory elements all of course, together. Yeah, yeah. I really believe in the power of synesthesia. This is also something which is part of my family heritage, so we'll speak about it. A perfume for me combines, of course, the sense of, of smell, but it's also influenced by the other senses. It's influenced by colors, it's influenced by the music you're hearing, by the colors uh, you're looking at, by the textures you're, you're touching, by the people you're meeting. And this is why perfume is very rich, it's also very personal, because when we experience a new perfume or a new perfume ingredient, alone, that moment is unique and will, will never repeat itself the same way again. And it makes it very, very special. Yeah, That was my vision when I created the brand, Our Lives of Adventures. Perfume is more than a scent. It's really a, a living adventure. It's Perfume is influenced by all the other senses. And so if we combine that, if we combine those adventures, if we combine this ultra sensorial approach to perfume, then we end up discovering it in such a unique way. And from that, we can create. So this is exactly how the brand was uh, was born. I love that idea of of, of perfume being, an, being about adventure. I, I totally concur with that i think it's really interesting and, and you know perfume and our sense of smell it it can't operate in a in isolation can it It always m must be part of everything else we're experiencing with the place where we are what we're seeing and exactly. touching and eating and, and everything so exactly. that's absolutely right and this is why uh, actually some people also give me this feedback when you can smell the same perfume, but in such different locations, uh, with a different ambience, different people, different weather, different humidity. Mm. And that perception of the perfume will never be exactly the same. And it also applies to the perfume you will, you will wear daily. Yeah. Just because your mindset and your approach to it will be different every single time. Yeah. Um, this way, it makes it so, so unique. And it also explains why people have also a different perception of, a, of the same perfume just because our lives and our experiences and our memories and also our, I think it's even physical, our perception of it is just different. Yeah, no, I agree. And you mentioned um, your your background and, and your family there earlier on. I mean, I wonder is, was, was fragrance something that was around in your home from an early age? Was it something that you picked up from your family or did it come from elsewhere? I think it's more than perfume. It's, uh, it's I, the whole brand actually is the result of my, of my family heritage. I mean, obviously I have a personal touch to it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I can only say it's a tribute. I mean, it's, uh, I'm like, so to explain to you, my, my last name, Crivelli, Crivelli yes. is my last name. Uh, it's an Italian name. My family arrived from Italy to France. It was not even Italy back then because they lived in Lombardia and, and they, they moved to France in the Middle Age. 
And after the French Revolution, on my dad's side, most people became doctors or scientists. Really? And so we have an attachment to science in the family. And on my mother's side, most people were landowners or they were artists as well, but also uh, scientists. Um, so we, bo- we do have science and nature as part of the family uh, culture. Yeah. We have an attachment to, to nature as well. Then on both sides, what is quite unique is that we've had a few generations of explorers and adventurers. Oh, really? And I don't think it's something I told you when we met the first time. No, I don't Um, think it was. It's not simple, but let's say my mother was uh, raised in Morocco from parents who had been raised in uh, Vietnam and Lebanon. And on my dad's side, uh, my grandfather was born in uh, in Melbourne. One of my grandfather was born in Melbourne uh, from parents who had also been living in uh, the Indian Ocean. So in the, in the course of just two, three generations, we've also had, so my, my family is French and has a strong French identity yeah. uh, and the sense of belonging. But they have also been exposed to so many different cultures. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different continents those, you mentioned there all over the exactly, world. And yeah. they have chosen to live in those places at a time when traveling was not easy at all. It took two months to travel from France to Australia by boat and same applies to Vietnam. And so I think we have in our family that taste for adventure, that level of curiosity, also the passion for different kinds of music and languages and food and so on. And add a last factor, which is that my dad was a pharmacist he moved to La Roche-Posay, which is the cosmetic yes. city, yeah. where the water is extracted and they use in, in the cosmetic products. And he had created his own cosmetic brand, only sold in his pharmacy. So basically, I grew up in that very small city, surrounded by nature, discussing with my parents and my grandparents about their lives in all those very exotic countries. Yeah being exposed to Asian art, Asian food, uh, also some influences from Morocco and the Silk Road. And at the same time, my dad was building his own brand. And he started with a very small, I mean, it's a very small pharmacy, but they were, you know, they were creating uh, creams uh, for um, people traveling to La Roche-Posay for, uh, to do like thermal, uh, I don't know how to say clear in English, but... Oh, like but, th- thermal you know, spa kind of thermal thing. Thermal spas and yeah, so on, but also yeah. the dermatologists who would right. prescribe some... Yeah. Okay. So they had that expertise of creating the cream itself. And so one by one, he created the first product and then the second one until he had a, a brand of about 40 products and and everything was very manual and then became semi-automatic. And so I basically even helped him sometimes in the summertime to right. kind of work on production and stick the labels and so on. So I've had also this personal connection with entrepreneurship and cosmetics. And was his brand, Thibaut, is it the La Roche-Posay brand? No, no, no not at all. It? It's a very small brand, oh, right. uh, I mean, which he developed really well, but on, it was only sold in his, uh, in his pharmacy. I see. But, you know, so if we mix all of that, we have a mindset, we have entrepreneurship, we have science, we have art, nature. Um, and also, I think it yeah, just triggered my curiosity yeah. uh, to, to be honest, to the Middle East and to Asia Pacific overall. And it also triggered my curiosity to work in, in the sector. So you you grew up in in central France and, and Provence and, th- and then went to um, Asia a bit later, did you, in your 20s? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think for me, the, the curiosity to 
towards Asia, of course, has come at a very young age. Yeah. Uh, because I was speaking about it with my, my grandmother. And, and, and did you and go traveling or did you sort of go to work um, in China and places like that? My first concert, I remember that exact day I was uh, maybe 12 years old. I was in Paris with my mom and we were next to Sorbonne and I remember seeing an exhibition about Chinese calligraphy. Mm. I, I managed to convince her to visit that exhibition. And I, I mean, I was quite young at 12 years old, but I've, I, I had this fascination for Chinese characters because also at home we had, I was lucky we had some Asian antiques and I was playing, I learned to play Maj Mahjong, which is an Asian game when I was like nine years old. And is, that like are, a, is that a kind of, is that like a chess, is that like a chess game? No? Well, yes, yeah. like blocks, you yes. should combine yeah. with wings and flowers and numbers oh, okay. and bamboos and so on. So I, I know how to play the game. And it has Chinese characters uh, onto some of them. So I think it just kind of, you know, uh, triggered my imagination. And when I saw that exhibition, I told her one day I will learn Chinese or Japanese, but I chose Chinese. So I started learning the language a bit later when I was, when I entered my business school. Right. And then I moved to Beijing. And actually the first time I visited Asia was to move there six months. Wow. So it was quite bad, but I was very happy to, to do it. It was in 2008, before the Olympic Games. And then I took the Trans-Siberian train uh, back to France for about two months, uh, stopping in Mongolia and then in Russia, in all those different cities. And then I finished with the Baltic uh, can uh, and Scandic uh, countries. And Scandinavian countries, yeah. And uh, so that was my first experience to Asia, but I absolutely loved it. And then I decided to move back there. And I did so working for perfume brands. Oh, okay. So, right. Because I already had in mind to, to, to start working in the industry. I ended up staying 10 years in Asia, which was an amazing experience because I obviously I learned a lot and I got to experience so many different cultures. But I also traveled very extensively for work, but also for leisure. I also learned additional languages. I learned a bit of Indonesian. Of course, I pursued the, 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 the learning of, of Chinese and I, I was speaking it quite fluently actually when I, when I left uh, Asia. That's amazing. Uh, but also when it comes to perfume, I... The, I had the opportunity to spend so much time in forests, in fields, in like places where the ingredients are either cultivated or uh, sold. Uh, it could be spices, could be vetiver, patchouli, obviously vanilla, uh, cinnamon, clove, and so on. And so when I came back from, from Asia to France to start working on the project, I asked myself a few key questions, you know, because it was in January 2017. I left the brands I was working for and from uh, which I learned so much in terms of you know, knowledge of the business and, and how to make the project happen. But and were you on the kind of sales side or sort of marketing? Sales and marketing, yeah. but always this, with this end objective to create my own project. Right. But you can't do it in a fortnight without no. any, 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 any knowledge and any, also a network of, of, yeah. of people to work with. Yeah. Need factories, you know, packaging, uh, uh, manufacturers and so on. So I I, I asked myself a few questions, which are, and I think now we'll go back, to, we can go back to also why I created yeah. the brand and how, how is it Great. today. But my first question was, how can we ensure that the fragrances that we're going to create bring something new and surprising to the market? How can we ensure that it will resonate to people and also that it will not be a marketing concept, but it will start from real 
experiences, like real moments. Because I worked for big brands and those big brands have very clear marketing concepts. And I really wanted Maison Crivelli on the other side to be rooted into something grounded, authentic. I wanted the, the inspirations to be real moments. And so this is the time when I started to meet perfumers. Also, I actually, I met an agency which helped me on the branding because I needed to work with professionals to work on, you know, packaging design course, and yeah. design and so on. But it was that notion of authenticity for me was very, very important. And actually, when I described my life to the perfumers, when I described my, my, my mindset, they all told me, Oh, like the perfume told me, Thibaut, it's quite incredible that you've managed to, to discover perfume this way, with that adventurous and curious mindset, with that synesthetic approach. This is something we, we can't do easily on our side because we have a technical knowledge of perfume, we study chemistry. Obviously, we also sometimes visit fields um, and we go you know, on the spot like where they travel to visit the plantations and so on. But uh, discussing with them, I realized that actually... I do have a certain and very specific knowledge of perfume, which is very complementary to their knowledge. Mm. And my life, I realized later, you know, speaking with people, actually I realized my life had been full of adventures. And It sounds like it. Uh, and um, I, it's true that I think I take risks more than most people, um, but I also really try to live on a daily basis by being like, I say I'm like a sponge. I'm really trying to absorb and cherish as well what is around me in terms of colors, in terms of sounds, meetings with people and so on. And this is a learning you can only develop over time. But if you have that mindset and you, you know, it's like switch on and off. I think maybe my way to live life is always this way and yeah. it's switch on. on. And You're always on. This is also <laughs> how I discovered perfume. Yeah. That's why today for me, the brand is about adventure. It's about surprises. It's about real moments, there's authenticity because it's also the way I've lived all the time, the way I was educated, the way I was influenced by my family. But it's also what I want the brand to be because it makes sense. It's a whole journey. I'm always interested in that that moment where, you know, when you, you've got a, a brand in, in Maison Crevelli that, that, that has your name on it and you, and you decided to launch your own brand. But it sounds it sounds from, from the way you describe it to you both that it was something that you've been preparing for such a long time and all these different experiences were helping getting you ready, yeah? Yes, exactly. And and I didn't want any ego in the brand, um, you know, and putting also my name onto the brand name it was not an easy decision. It was a no-brainer for most people because when you hear about the, the creative aspect and the fact that each perfume is inspired by moments I, I, I did live, I mean, it makes sense. But, you know, there's a lot of ego in the beauty world and I did not want any ego when it comes to Maison Crivelli. I want more to share. For me, what, what was more important is to surprise people with perfumes they've never smelled before. And I, I, I did want a creative approach through which, like, we do take inspiration from authentic stories. So, I mean, it's legitimate and, and it makes sense to, to name the brand by my name. But it was not an obvious decision for me to, to take, honestly. I remember when, I think, our, our first meeting, I was very struck by what you said. You know, <clears throat> the, the, the fragrances are obviously based on your, your adventures and, and your experiences, but that but you didn't want to make them too specific about a certain location or, or you know, be too granular about it because you wanted the... 
the wearer to to have their to form their own opinions and and have their own experiences and for them to belong to the wearer not not you in a way yes exactly i think perfume is always very personal and for me what was more important is to to give people the possibility to connect with um, with their perfume so i start from the moment i have lived i share it with you uh, through a perfume but then you will encapsulate it you will you will make it your own and you will connect with it for personal reasons so our perfumes are not inspired by traveling it's it's actually a point i always correct because people spontaneously associate perfume with traveling obviously i was physically traveling for some of the for, for some of the inspirations and some of the perfumes we've created because i mean if you think of northern lights or an erupting volcano uh, it's not uh, you know they're not the everywhere <laughs> they're not in my yeah. in my town in london but um it, what, what matters more to me is how we live the moment and how we we can really uh, appreciate the beauty of things around us so it's more the adventure that matters more than the exact location i love that well look we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the fragrances and and um some of the things in the crivelli range a little bit later but as always in the podcast i love to know because i'm nosy but also to find out about your routines and the products that you like perhaps outside of the outside of fragrance and, and the maison crivelli world so what what kind of morning and evening routines do you have, Thibault, in terms of products that you use? Is it a, an extensive one or fairly sort of limited? I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's for a man. It's quite an extensive one. Right. Uh, for someone who's lived in Asia ten years, where I mean, people take so much good care of they their do. skin. They do. They're much I more advanced, aren't they? With a, it? a normal one. Um, so I do. So what I try to do in the morning is to use um, vitamin C, like right. serum. Yeah. And then I will use a cream on. T- so I, I clean my skin every morning, yeah. basically first. Are you got, are you loyal to certain brands, or do you, in terms of that space, or or do you just try different things? Yes, actually, I'm I'm using a few brands right now. I don't know if I can name them or not, but uh, so I'm using a soft cleanser, and then I use a vitamin C serum and uh, and uh, and a cream, and then I will finish with SPF. Right. Great. This is very Asian, but I think it's always good to protect your skin. From, totally. And totally. I, I like for people who don't know me, I'm, I'm like totally white. I'm like French, French. I don't have any Asian origin, but I, in Asia, actually, people take so much good care yeah, of their to skin. protect it's, your skin. It's, it's such a good thing. And I've obviously been there 10 years has influenced me uh, in, in many positive ways. Hopefully positive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, but um, yeah, so I do that in the morning and then at night I would uh, also cleanse again and use uh, a night serum and a cream. And maybe twice a week, I would use a mask. Got you. Okay. But I love oils actually because it kind of. And I, I, I travel a lot, and I take the plane a lot, and I, I also stay in hotels with aircon, so, so it dries I, your skin. I yeah. hydrate a lot, and yeah. also obviously I try to drink a lot of water, and and also I use uh, ear drops to hydrate my eyes because of the, you know, the the plane and the hotels yeah. because yeah. the air is quite dry. And how about your hair, Thibaut? Is there certain products that you like for for your hair? Do you put anything Not in much. it? No. no, I'm using like no. I'm do, doing maybe too many shampoos. That's a problem. <laughs> Somebody told I me that yesterday. Actually, hair, that, yeah, hurts, uh, too much. No, no. Yeah, because my hairdresser said yesterday that I, I should I should shampoo my hair a bit less than I do because now mine's going grey. So when it gets a bit, you know, the grey hairs are are a different consistency so don't shampoo as much and condition more so it's a good a good tip for me anyway at my age but um so yeah it's really interesting about your your routines and i suppose with 
with fragrance, you, you probably have to, because you're testing and, and evaluating so much, you, you, you probably don't, do you, do you wear, do you, oh, wear, yeah. do you sort of road test your own ones or? or? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, I only use my perfumes today. Uh, I'm a loyal person. But I mean, <laughs> I'd be surprised if you said anything else. I would not be loyal to myself, you know, which is which would be a bit <laughs> I still appreciate. I mean, I'm 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 trying not to smell too many launches from other brands because I always feel that it would influence somehow uh, right, yeah. my creative uh, approach. Uh, just because if there's something I like, you know, you, you're always tempted to, you know, to you will remember obviously, and you, it will influence you, but. So I'm still looking at uh, launches from a few key uh, other like competitive brands. I'm 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 following, but not not too many. And mm. um, and whenever I'm evaluating new projects, I would not wear a perfume, but I'm I'm wearing perfume daily. Um, and I'm also with Hibiscus Majad and the Oud Maracuja especially. I'm always carrying samples because a lot of people ask me what I'm wearing. So <laughs> yeah, I bet. it's also it happens so to me a lot in hotels, in the plane, in the street, and everywhere. It. So uh, I do wear the perfumes because I know that people will also. Mm. It's a good way to create uh, awareness. I know. Well, that how amazing. I mean, it's, yeah, I suppose it's the equivalent of um, you know the author seeing seeing someone reading their book on the on the train or something. Yes, exactly. So yeah, you know, people ask you what. What fragrance you're wearing, and you can say, "Well, actually, it's my, it's my exactly. own, it's my own Maison Crevelli." And actually, it happened to me in the, it happened to me a lot in the UK, especially when I took the Did train uh, from London to. We, I also visit some other cities like Birmingham and Chester, and and people yeah do ask me because I think in the UK people are more friendly than maybe sometimes here in Paris. Where do you think? Are more, more, yeah, <laughs> in London, to be honest, I think it's the same as Paris, but sometimes when I visit other when cities... When you go out, actually, yeah, you know, I think you're right. Inviting and asking questions and you speak with your neighbor and yeah, a little mm -hmm. bit more than, than here, to be honest. So, um, which is a good thing. And uh, yeah, it, obviously, if we're, if I'm wearing the perfume and people ask, I will... Uh, it must be a, a nice moment and a nice surprise for them. So, yeah, well, actually, it's, it's, a, exactly. it's a fragrance that's my own brand. Um and I also, from from our previous conversations, obviously perfume, fragrance is such a, a personal thing. But I wonder, you know, in in your role as as brand founder, and and a lot of the fragrance ideas will start from you. That piece around talking to the perfumer and and sort of translating your ideas. I mean, it, it's I guess it's the art of 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 what you do, and it, it's what makes makes the magic but do you see any challenge in you know it's it's your experience of a you know a certain place or a certain moment have you found that you've had to develop that skill in terms of translating that for for perfume yes. or do you I mean yes uh, I had to lived a lot of experiences and the difficult part for me in the beginning was how I would uh, discuss with the perfumers because I, I, it was important to use the right words yeah right so yeah I had to I mean I had to to do training and also it's it's a it's an ongoing process it's taking me time and it's still an ongoing process and, but also to be honest also for perfumers themselves perfume is a never-ending story uh, it's a yeah. never-ending learning learning path so I would say maybe that was not the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge for me was to find the right perfumer for the right perfume because I had something in mind and I, I needed to meet perfumers who would really take the time to understand my vision. 
who would also have the technical you know, approach and and because each perfume, their perfumes have their own writings, like, you know, it's like... Yeah, their style, style, yeah. yeah. But also we needed to have a very, it was very important that we would have a very spontaneous approach and that communication would be very, very easy. So I think for me, that was maybe the biggest challenge and I'm really yeah. happy, obviously, of all the, the, the perfumes I'm, I'm working with because with each single one of them, there's such a personal connection. And I suppose there's there's it's so interesting, that thing of, you know, selecting who might be good to work on certain fragrances because on the one hand, you want... I'm sure you can think of perfumers who, are, who have a style and they work for certain sorts of fragrances... But at the same time, you don't want them to almost repeat things that they've done before, and is almost you know do their kind of signature style. You want you want to bring some something unexpected and new and fresh, right? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, the the unexpected is 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 it's kind of a thread in the project because my inspiration was surprising. When I brief the perfumers, I will share with them a mood board composed of photographs, right. videos, sounds, descriptions, and so if they I wouldn't say respect, it's not the right word, but I mean, if they really... To respond to that, yeah. That brief and, yes, and take it into account, obviously that touch of surprise will also be reflected in the perfume, perfume formula itself. Yeah. And also when I evaluate the first, you know, because they would work on a few formulas and evaluate internally and then share them with me. But when I evaluate the perfume, I, I have to be surprised myself. Obviously I should... Uh, feel that the perfume reflects my the moment I leave. Yeah, and they've answered the and brief. I really but, want yeah. to be surprised as well in the sense that the perfume should, really, should leave an instant mark, and obviously we should have that yeah that surprising contrast. So and obviously when I evaluate the perfume and I give them some feedback, I will also take into account you know so that that that, that perception I have. So it's an ongoing process, but surprise is really at the heart of of the whole creative approach. So. Uh, in the end, obviously, it's, it should also be felt by the people who discover the final perfume. And you, you talk a lot, and I, I love this idea of you know contrast and surprise. And I, I guess it's um, it's shown in, in no better way than the the, the, the X-ray range that you have with Hibiscus Mahajad and Oud Maracuja. And I think it's for, for listeners who m- might not be familiar with those fragrances, there is a surprise element and the, the way that some of the ingredients contrast with each other. Is, is, is that something that you're very keen to to show with Maison Crevelli, like, you know, putting a passion fruit with an oud or, you know, something like that? It's, it's kind of it is that element of surprise, and it's it's not something that you'll you'll get in many brands. So actually, the, the it took me time to finalize the first oud-based perfume in the collection, and I think it's quite unprecedented to see someone launching a perfume brand without any oud perfume in five years. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, There's a lot from now. From a commercial point of view, it doesn't even make sense to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But it was very important for me that so my, my, whenever I create a new perfume, my objective is that. The people who discover it would tell me, oh, I've never smelled an oud or like a perfume like this before, be it oud, be it rose, be it sandalwood. So people should feel the perfume this way and and tell us that feedback instantly. So, uh, you know, oud is one of the most beloved perfume ingredients in the world. Obviously, it's very popular in the Middle East, but it's also, it's also gaining a lot of awareness in, 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 in Western countries, even now, to be honest, in some Asian countries as well. And I wanted that perfume to be, obviously I've been wanting to develop an oud-based perfume for a long time, but I wanted that perfume to be both uh, international, modern, but also surprising to oud experts and approachable for people who don't uh, like oud. Right. Classic oud. Yeah. 
So what I told myself is that the our first oud-based perfume should be original, so it should be exotic. And oud grows in forests, uh, which are mostly in tropical countries, usually it's Cambodia, Laos, India, or Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And I thought of the exotic ingredients that I actually experienced when I uh, discovered oud forests. And... The first ingredient which came to my mind was passion fruit. Right. I wanted to twist oud with a, a fruity note because it's a very beautiful combination. I put aside the, the fruit which I pers- personally dislike or which I would not see well combined with oud. And actually then came to my mind this, uh, this passion fruit, which I personally love as a fruit like to eat or even to taste in drinks or cocktails. And from a technical perspective, passion fruit is very luminous. It's juicy. Um, it's exotic. It's tropical. It also combines well with rose, maybe a bit of vanilla, with wood, uh, or with wood. And so we worked on the perfumer to create that unique contrast between oud and passion fruit. And Jody Fernandez at Givaudan is one of the best oud experts. He's very recognized for his capacity to create one of the best oud perfumes in the market. And it was a challenge for him, but a positive one to work on a passion fruit oud accord. And he's created this amazing passion fruit accord when you smell it, you just, oh, it makes you want to drink it a cup so, of water. It's so juicy, it's beautiful. Very juicy, tangy and luminous, yeah. yeah. And it really gives that modern vibe. And it's a contrast which has never been seen before in the perfume market. So I think and it's, been really, a real, it's been a real hit, hasn't it? It's been a real success. It's doing extremely well. And yeah. yes, it, it especially in, not only in the UK, but also in other countries. Right now on our e-shop, uh, it's one of the best-selling right. uh, perfumes as well. And do you find that this, I don't want to call it a trend, but with with X-Tray, do, do, you, do you find that the customers are responding well to this idea of something yes. that has a bit a, a bit more longevity, maybe, but um, lasts longer and, and, and probably a bit stronger? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think people are willing to spend more if there's a very good value for the price yeah. you know, which is paid. Yeah. And actually, uh, I think the brand is getting very, very uh, well known today for the originality, the long-lastingness, the sillage, the projection of our perfumes is is incredible. Yeah, sure. I mean, our perfume extracts stay, and and when I say that, I really invite people to try because they will be surprised at the level of long-lastingness on clothes. Which I mean, our perfumes last, especially the, I would say the extracts last weeks yeah. on clothes. Yeah. Uh, if you spray on the hair and you shampoo your hair, you will still smell it afterward. And with hibiscus marjad or the oud, we've had we've had people commenting that they spray the perfumes at the early hours of the morning, and there would still be a projection in the evening, and people would ask in the evening what they are wearing, which yeah. is quite fabulous. Um, um, I mean, it's, yes, it's incredible. So I think there's definitely a trend towards extracts because also people feel so much quality. Behind it, and I think, as you say, I mean, they're, they're perhaps they're a higher price point, but you can you can smell the quality, can't you? And, and people are responding to it, so it's yes, exactly. great. Yeah, oh, it's so good to hear. And I, you know, it's such a, a fantastic range, and with oud maracuja being the the um, new release this year, and and there's there's even in the, the original range, there's so many fragrances that I love, like papyrus molecular and iris malican, and uh, yeah, there's so many. In fact, I'm wearing. 
Neroli Nasimba today, which I think yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a beautiful and very original Neroli. Yeah, um, that sort of leathery, animalic tone to it. It's great. Exactly. Yeah, Neroli is usually very in perfume. It's usually very a bit green, uh, luminous. You know, summery, uh, sunny, and clean. Uh, and my surprising memory with Orange Blossom was a moment when I was walk, doing a walking safari, also with a bit of danger and adrenaline. <laughs> of and course. Sleep combine, um, that Orange Blossom uh, essential oil, so narrowly, and also a bit of absolute with a, a, a deep and slightly feline leather coat, a little bit of amber as well. And we pushed freshness with a bit of uh, tangerine. And this whole combination is, is very original um, and very long-lasting. And long-lasting, well. I was going to say, I think that's the that's the difference. I mean, I love a sort of bright, zesty Neroli, but we know sometimes they can be a bit more fleeting, but but not yes. this one. It's got some real staying power. Exactly. Well, look, Tiba, the, the name of the, the podcast is Man in the Mirror, so I always like to ask the guests about, I suppose, their, their idea of, of self-image. And I, I wonder, you know, when when you're getting ready in the morning and, and you look in the mirror, how, how do you feel about your appearance? Are you in your, are you in your 30s, early 30s? Late, 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 late 30s. Late, <laughs> well, well, I'm you... turning 14 uh, in June, actually. So how do you feel? I mean, you look I'm very... still in my 30s, uh, but... Let's, let's hold on to not the 30s. Too long. <laughs> not for too long. How do you, what do you think about um, what looks back at you in, in the mirror? Are, are, you, are you happy with, with the Tebow that looks back? Yes, I mean, I, I'm uh, so I'm a perfectionist, so I, I'm always trying to do things better. Which sometimes, you know, but sometimes it's important to sit down and which I don't do quite a lot because I'm never in, in a comfortable chair. But I think <laughs> I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm when I look at it, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm 39. I'm, I'm settled. I've managed to create the, the the project I was talking about when I was a teenager. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm close to my like very close family members. I've been lucky to live 10 years in foreign countries. I've visited 90 countries. Wow. I've, I've learned eight languages. I mean, so I've, I think I've had this very open uh, heart and mind to a lot of, uh, of, of, of cultures. Uh, obviously, I'm still on the learning curve for so many things. Uh, and, you know, for me, it's just uh, it's, it's a never-ending journey. But I feel like, I, yeah, I feel like I've accomplished uh, something. There's a lot of additional things I would be very happy to to look at and have other projects in, in life as well. But I'm very happy yes, with, with that level of uh, accomplishment, obviously. It's interesting that your your take on that and your approach was about, you know, your life and experiences and the things you've done rather than the sort of, you know, the superficial, shall we say, of appearance, which is just, you know, an interesting way of, an interesting well, take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 it, 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 honestly, I, it's however, I, however people take it. But I think, you know, in terms of the actual physical would you ever would you ever consider for example you know doing any treatment you know doing any tweaks or treatments oh, or um, things like that no. do you think that's for you oh not really i should uh, maybe uh, i mean i'm not fat at all but if i could no, you're uh, not. be if i'm not fat no no but if i could be a bit fitter i try to pay attention to my health yeah that's important because i have a big amount of well that's um, the main thing isn't it i think yeah i have i mean the, the stress is obviously very high and, the and a lot of travel travel so much yeah. yes um so i do try to take care of my back especially because uh, it's never easy so i need to be maybe a bit more uh, I understand now why some people, even important business people, have a very um, clean lifestyle, pay attention very much to their diet. I, I do. Yeah. So what's, what's going I, inside the body? Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. could pay attention to it even even more. I think you need a lot of uh, 
maybe what if I look at me, I, I'm a Gemini on top of that. So I don't believe much in astrology, but I know Geminis are always on the go, very social, very curious, yeah. adaptable, but sometimes miss a bit of discipline. And I'm the kind of guy who, I mean, I do have discipline in my job, but yeah. I'm always tempted by a lot of things. But so there, has has to be, to, there has to be balance, I suppose, doesn't there? It can't, you know, it, yes, it must be I quite to difficult to live a very sort of monastic, clean, pure life. I mean, we still need to have fun and, you know, pleasures oh, and yes, sins yes. and all that stuff. For, for me, it's more maybe to be, to put a bit more order sometimes and, and to have maybe clearer personal goals yeah. and stick to the routine, which I, to be honest, I have trouble doing because maybe I'm more on the creative side and adaptable and curious and yeah. I'm always on the go. And I mean, it's, it's me, but maybe if I were to, for the next 10 years, maybe I would have to find a way to rebalance a bit and find a rhythm, which is... Uh, it must also be difficult, though, in 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 the job that you have, Thibaut, because there you know there's so many different uh, pulls on your time and and so many different inputs. You know, it it can't. I guess it's hard to make it so kind of linear and ordered and it's tick not box. Easy. It's not yes. easy, right? And not to find excuses, but in November, for example, we we well, today is the so I think the podcast will be uh, will be uh, will, will be, be next week. Yeah, yeah, mid mid November. In November, I'm spending six days in Paris, including weekends. So it's wow. six days at home. So Gosh. obviously, it makes it difficult to have a, a very a clear rhythm, especially when you're 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 so much on the plane. Yeah. Or, yeah. or in trains, but I mean, still when you're traveling. Yeah. And finally, Thibaut, what what are the things that make you happy and bring you joy, sort of outside of work? I suppose definitely people close to me. Yeah, uh, I need smile. I need positive energy mm. from other people. And I think as I grow older, I know very quickly if there's a connection with people or not. Mm. So I'm not also losing time. I mean, I'm I'm meeting so many amazing people right now, which is also another source of happiness because yeah. I'm I'm traveling so much, speaking with people and sharing, and people also open up. A yeah. lot about themselves, which is very enriching for me. Do you mind me asking? Do you, do you have a partner? Do you have someone that's? Yes. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, but we're we're not traveling together. Right. So that's also me. Adds a bit of uh, you know, it's also a sacrifice I'm doing, but also I'm, I mean, I'm learning a lot, and I do it for the for the beauty and the sake of the of the project, which is which is important. But it's a lot of time um, away from from home and partner and all yeah, those things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I would say what makes me happy is. Being surrounded by people who are happy, learning because I love learning, I love traveling. Yeah. What makes me happy? Good food makes me. I'm not a good cook, but I'm good at appreciating. Uh, can, can you still food. find the joy in in travel? Obviously, you know the way you describe your work schedule and the, the different places you have to go. I guess a lot of it's you know there'll be appointments and dinners and events and sales meetings, all those kind of things. Can you still find the pleasure in being in different countries, even though there's a kind of an agenda to it? I always, so I always try to, so whenever I have, for example, a visit or I have an event and I'm speaking with people and I'm you know, explaining also my background and mm -hmm. my history and, and the brand and so on. Obviously, there are some elements which I repeat because, you know, it's important people understand it. And, and, but I always try to make sure that that specific evening will be unique also for myself. And I will right. take pleasure oh, in doing I love that. Yeah. If I start attending all those events, which I'm very happy to go to, by the way, but if I do it with a routine and a protocol and and and, and if and I a do script it, almost, you know. Yes, yeah. it would be so Yeah, it'd be boring for you and, and so boring for me and and I like to keep things very uh, I will, I'm not sure casual would be the right word because obviously I also do it in a professional way, but I'll try to do it in a very sincere 
a spontaneous way. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. I think, you know, I'm lucky enough to, to go to some of these events too, and I think I, I love the the connection, you know, and I suppose that, that this, as you were talking about unique opportunities and, and events in your life, each time you go to a different city or a different event, I suppose it's another opportunity to forge connections and get to talk about your brand and the adventures and, and, and sort of convert new people, I suppose. Yeah, for example, I went this year, I'm going, so I'm going uh, in two days to to the Middle East. I'm going to Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, which in two weeks is quite wow. a lot. <laughs> it's quite a schedule. But, uh, this is my fourth time in the region this year. So actually, I will have spent a month in Dubai yeah. uh, in, in, in 2023. And is the brand doing very well there? It's doing super well. And I'm also uh, I'm based there, but it starts to feel a bit like home because I stay at my cousin's house. I meet people who are becoming friends, oh, more great. And more, including local people. Yeah. We speak about a lot of topics and also I'm learning a lot and, and they're also learning from myself. So it's kind of a mutual thing and it's so enriching. And I think that's the beauty of what I'm doing now is that I'm getting to speak uh, to so many different people and also visit so many different countries. Um, but to be honest, it's also something you can learn about cultures, even being home. Today with the internet, you can educate yourself so much. Mm. Of course, going there physically is very rewarding, but it's also very tiring. And sometimes I always feel, I mean, you can learn a language at home. You don't need to be traveling to to do it. So yeah, I think, I don't know, it's it's part of, yeah, it's my, it's part of my lifestyle, but I, also, I enjoy that a lot. It's a privilege, yeah. isn't it though, I think? to, to It's a privilege today, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yes. to get around it's the world and, and see people and with, with such a great story to tell. Otibo, thank you so much for your time and for, for spending some time with me this pleasure. morning. And I'm going to put some of the um, some of the products we talked about, and of course, tell the listeners more about the uh, Maisel Crivelli range and, and where they can find it. So um, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time, and um, yes, I'll see you again you soon. I hope to do this together because I enjoyed uh, meeting you so much, and so oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to to, to do the podcast uh, well, with with you in person. Yeah, thank you so much, and great to see you. You take care. You too. Bye. 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 My thanks to Tiba. It was such an interesting conversation, and I think. Maison Crivelli are really at the forefront of so much that's sort of exciting and interesting about fragrance and perfumery at the moment. You know, a real focus on on the raw materials, you know, providing something a bit different. And and there's, you know, there's definitely narrative there. There's definitely stories in, in, in what they're doing. And Thibaut provides that sense of place, but not so specifically that that you can't kind of make the fragrance your own. I think it's quite a delicate balance, isn't it? Not sort of saying it's, you know, this is all about this particular moment in my history and then that doesn't mean anything to anybody else. So I think they, they straddle that balance so well. And I think Thibaut's a, you know, is, I, I hope you heard in, in the podcast, a really, really thoughtful brand founder and he's doing things his own way. And it's, it's a young brand, really, only, only five years old. So he's doing incredibly well. And I'm so thrilled to see how well it's going for Maison Crivelli. If you want to find out more about them, you can find them on Instagram at Maison Crivelli, which is M-A-I-S-O-N-C-R-I-V-E-L-L-I. That's at Maison Crivelli. And online, it's www.maisoncrivelli.com. Um, so my thanks to Thibaut and my thanks to you as always for listening um, this whole season and I'm going to take a short break now I'll be back in the new year and already scheduling and planning 
lots of great guests for the beginning of 2024 so i'll be back in january so i uh, hope you can join me then if you want to find out more in the meantime i'm on instagram at man in the mirror pod you can find information about previous episodes and there's a, there's a big old catalog now of five seasons so if you've missed some along the way please be sure and go back and and have a look there and you can you can find all the links to previous episodes so in the meantime, have a great festive season. I know it's early, but um, enjoy Christmas, enjoy whatever you're doing over the festive season. And I look forward to your company again in the new year. Take care. Mm-hmm.